Blog Talk Radio. Out Radio International. 
You're listening to Sister Pearl on In the Word with Sister Pearl. What a blessing, what an honor, what a privilege it is for me to be with you another time on this broadcast. And I just want to welcome you in the name that's higher and more magnificent than any other name in all the universe. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. Now, I just want to let you know that we have been looking at Psalm 91 for the past two broadcasts. Tonight we're going to conclude it with the part three. And the message is entitled, The Secret Place of the Most High. The Secret Place of the Most High. Won't you invite your friends, your family members, your neighbors to see if they can listen to this broadcast as well. And if they don't have the means to listen, will you please just invite them to come close to where you are so that they can hear this message as well. I'm really going to have to conclude. There's so much to this title, The Secret Place of the Most High, but I just sense from the Lord that I need to uh, wind it down and uh, give you the essence of this message in tonight's broadcast. If you've missed the first two, please feel free to go back and listen to the other recordings, The Secret Place of the Most High, Part 1, and then what we did last Sunday, Part 2. But tonight, we're going to do Part 3, and I just want to welcome you. If you have to happen to be listening for the very first time, you get a special welcome from wherever you're listening to this broadcast around the world. Uh, we greet you in Jesus' name. And if you don't know the Lord, uh, I believe this is a great place for you to start to find out uh, some of his character and who he is. So listen in carefully, and I'm just going to start by praying. There's a lot I want to share with you, so I'm going to go straight into the Word of God tonight. Heavenly Father, we come in no other name but the matchless name of your Son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that when we were not even thinking about you, you were very mindful of us. And even while we were in our sin and in our darkness, your love for us overshadowed us. And you are calling us, Lord God, to come to you, to come and have a relationship with you for those of us that don't know you yet in a personal way. We pray that you would captivate the hearts of every man, woman, boy, girl, teenager, senior citizen, wherever we happen to be around uh, the world today listening to this program, whether we be in North America, South America, Africa, Asia, Australia, wherever we happen to be, Europe, Wherever we happen to be in the Caribbean, Mexico, wherever we are, Lord God, we know that you have a great plan and a great purpose for our lives. And we want to line up with your plan. We want to line up with the reason that you created us, with the reason that you put breath in us, the reason that you uh, formed us in our mother's womb. And now we're alive. We do not want to miss our God-given destiny. And I pray that this evening, 
something that's said will just wake the hearts and the minds of everyone that's listening so that we can get a glimpse of how great and how very real, how very genuine your love is for each and every one of us. And so we just uh, submit this time to you and we ask that you would be glorified in everything that's said and done. Bring those that are yet in darkness to your Lordship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I just want you to know from the very beginning of this broadcast that the Lord God loves you so very much. And so many of us have no understanding of this because perhaps we never experienced the love of a godly father, a godly mom. Perhaps there was so much brokenness in their own lives that they did not know, and they still don't know, how to love their children, whether they be small or whether they be grown and have their own families. But I just want you to know, do not compare our Heavenly Father to your earthly father because he is so much greater, so much higher, so much more loving. And even if you had the best loving father in the entire world that was a human being, he still could not even compare to the wonderful love that our Creator God has for us. So I just want to bless you with that. And uh, let's just go into the last message for the secret place of the Most High. Now, the last two weeks I read from Psalm 91 in the King James Version as well as the um, New International Version, the NIV, because I know so many people have the NIV. But tonight I'm going to do something even different. Tonight I'm going to read the the 91st Psalm from the message, um, from the message paraphrase. This was a paraphrase that a man wrote to help his children understand in an easier format the word of God that we find in the Holy Bible. So I'm going to read from the message tonight just to give you something, a different uh, rendering of that Psalm 91. But before I do that, I do want to read again one last time from the first verse of Psalm 91 in the King James Version. And the reason that I had done this, those of you that were listening to previous broadcasts, you understood that in all the other uh, translations, it talks about, He that dwelleth under the shadow of the Most High shall abide. But the King James specifically says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. And again, some of the other translations, they say, He that dwells in the shelter of the Most High. But as I explained for the last two weeks, a shelter does not necessarily denote that it is in a secret place. So that's how come I have been ministering for the past two uh, weeks, and then I'm going to do it again tonight, that I want us to emphasize that the place that God has for every one of us is a secret place. It's a place that's only meant for God and for you, you personally. It's not a place 
for me, you, and then God. No, it's a place for God and for you. That's how intimate, that's how personal God wants to have a relationship with you. And so that's why I just want to emphasize, and the whole title of the message is The Secret Place of the Most High. I pray that you will want to enter into that secret place of the Most High with the Lord. It's such a beautiful place. But let me now go into the reading of Psalm 91 from the Message Translation. And here we go. You who sit down in, in the high God's presence... Spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon, even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left. No harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care. If you'll only get to know and trust me, call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I'll give you a long life, give you a long drink of salvation. And that was Psalm 91 read from the message paraphrase. You, I'm going to read from Psalm 32 now, verse 7. Because I want to break down a little bit about that first verse that I read initially at the beginning of the broadcast from Psalm 91, verse 1 in the King James. And I want to also um, explain a little bit more about uh, maybe just three or four of the words and the definitions of those words. Now, I did do that at the first and second teaching. So again, I'd like to remind you, if you've never heard those, please go back when you have an opportunity and listen to those first two broadcasts about part one, part two for this message. Now, when we talk about a secret place, we're talking about a place that other people don't know where you are. And they cannot bother you there. They cannot uh, disturb you there. They cannot trouble you there. It is a secret place. But now I'd like to also take a look at Psalm 32, verse 7. And, and, and the psalmist says this, 
you are a hiding place for me. That's another take on secret place. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. So when we read about you, we're talking about God. The great I am that I am. And in Hebrew, it's talked about the second person, and it's a masculine singular term. So we're not talking about anyone rescuing you or a feminine person rescuing you, but a great masculine and not just any man rescue, rescuing you, but God, the creator of the universe. Thou, thee, ye in, in King James and you in a regular English vernacular. You are a hiding place for me. Talking about God. No one stronger than him. No one mightier than him. No one knowing more than him. It's not like you and me rescuing ourselves. But it's God. It's not like your best friend or, or, or even your coach or your teacher or your president or your father or your mother. But talking about God. So understand who the word of God is talking about. You are a hiding place for me. Not just anybody, but you God. Psalms 32 verse 7. Then we look at our, my hiding place. And hiding place in the Hebrew here is meaning a covering. A secrecy. The word sitar in Hebrew. A covering, a hiding place, secrecy. Again, emphasizing it is a place that others don't know how to get there to trouble you. And then the word of God says, you preserve me from trouble. In the Hebrew, it says, you preserve me, meaning that you watch, you guard, and you keep me from trouble. That's wonderful. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. God is excited when you and I are kept from harm. And you have to understand that. He is not a cold, indifferent person. He is a very personable God. And he's the only true and living God. For those of you that might have been raised with some other kind of faith belief system, uh, perhaps your God uh, is very impersonal. And that's because there is only one true and living God who is very personal. And that's the Lord God, Jesus Christ. So, Psalms 119 says it like this. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. So again, we see in Psalms 119, which is the longest psalm in the entire uh, book of Psalms, you are my hiding place. I don't know if some of you have heard uh, a song that goes like this. You are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. Okay, so you are my hiding place. That song comes from Psalm 119, verse 114. God is a hiding place. He's a refuge. He's a shelter. He's our secret place. And he's our shield. We know that even in the natural, um, policemen, they have shields. Uh, soldiers, they have shields. 
And God is our shield. And we have to recognize him as that. The word of God says in Psalm 36 and verse 7, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge, meaning they take cover, they are protected in the shadow of your wings. Very similar imagery as we found in Psalm 91. God's love for us is steadfast. It's not a love that is fickle. It's not a love that will change depending on how you behave. Or, you know, upon the whims of God. God doesn't have whims. He's not like you and he's not like me. He is steadfast. He's unmovable. He's unshakable. And his love toward us is the exact same. Why do we need to seek refuge under the protection of God's covering? Because the world that we live in is sinful. And it is in direct opposition and conflict to the will of God. So, he's the only safe place outside of God, the true and the living, real God, genuine God, there is no safety. People do change. People may act one way this minute and five minutes later turn on you, switch on you. God is not like that. And this is what I'm here to tell you. God is our refuge. He is our safe place. He is our retreat. The place we go when we are afraid. And even when we're not afraid, we should dwell, as we taught in previous lessons, we should abide, we should live, we should stay, we should be fixed in God. There's a lot of fear going around right now. But to the believing man and woman of God, child of God, daughter of God, son of God, we are in a safe place. We are in a place of protection. Psalm 59 says it like this. When Saul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him, God showed us what David said. David cried out and said, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress, meaning my strong tower, my refuge, my safe place, my bull guard, be that against those who are attacking me. Now, I hate to get into this, but let's just be real. You and I, we're going to have enemies. And that's real. Sometimes we have enemies and we don't even know that we have enemies. And sometimes we've had no interaction with them, but they just don't like us for whatever reason. Sometimes, you know, they have another agenda that's very contrary to God's agenda and we're trying to follow God's agenda, so they don't like us. It's it's just a part of living in this world to understand that you and I are going to have enemies. Let's let's look let's look let's look at David. Who was who was David's enemy in that he talked about and he he cried out to God about in Psalm fifty nine? It was King Saul. At one in one instance, David was applauded 
by Saul and about by everybody else in the house of Israel. Why? Because David, even as a young man, was able to defeat their arch enemy, Goliath, the great giant of the Philistine army. And so King Saul applauded David and, 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 and did so many things to promote David. But then again, later on, we find out that the same King Saul turned and then hated David. I'm not going to get into that story. We've done it before, and we can probably go over it at another time. But you can read the Word of God, and you can study to see more about that story. But I'm just sharing with the fact that people can love you one moment and hate you with a, a complete hatred the next. This is human beings. The only person who does not fail us is God himself. And so here we find the same King Saul who was applauding David who rescued Saul and the entire Israel nation from Goliath because he slew Goliath, he killed Goliath. Now the same King Saul is, is hunting down David to kill him. And David is crying out, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Well, it was King Saul that was attacking him and his armies. And you and I are going to have people attacking us. This is a part of our reality. When we're destined to do God's will. And when we belong to God. Even some of your church people might turn on you and become your enemy. De Deuteronomy 23 verse 14 says it like this, For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you and deliver your enemies to you. Your camp must be holy. See, there's a condition. Your camp must be holy so that he will not see among you anything indecent and then turn away from you. When you and I are seeking refuge, we must come before God with a clean, with clean hands and a pure heart. We must run away from this jailhouse religion that I explained so clearly in the first two messages. God is not interested in us being religious. He's not interested in us having jailhouse religion. But what he wants is for us to come before him with a clean heart. Pure heart, clean hands. And he said, if you, if, if you come before me in the way that I desire that you come, meaning your camp must be holy. Again, I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14. Your camp, your surroundings, your environment, where you dwell must be holy. So that he, God, will not see among you or see in you anything indecent. And then that would make him and cause him to turn away from you. Now, if there is something indecent, if there is something unclean, just repent of it. Don't continue in it. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and they are safe. Even just calling on the name of the Lord can protect you. When you 
are in a right relationship with God. I cannot tell you how many times my life was endangered. I can't get into those testimonies and stories right now, but I can tell you I've experienced being in some very harrowing conditions and all I could all I had the time to cry out was the name of Jesus. Oh Jesus. I didn't have the time to go into a 25-minute prayer or even a 60-second prayer or a 30-second prayer. You know, oh, dear Lord and our Heavenly Father, I didn't have time for that. All I had time for is to cry out, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, do not use the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Do not use it in vain. That's in the word of God. Do not use God's name in vain. When you hear other people saying, oh, Jesus Christ, if they, you know, hit hit their toe or hurt their finger or, you know, bang their head, and then they cry out, Jesus Christ. Do not say that. We're not like the world. That's using the name of the Lord in vain. Do not say, oh, my God. No, don't. Be very careful how we use the name of the Lord because the name of the Lord is holy, not to be used carelessly. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So when you're expressing and speaking and saying and uttering the name of the Lord, have great the greatest respect for the name of the Lord. It is, among so many other things, a strong tower. And those that are in right relationship with God, we run into the name of the Lord and we are safe. It's like playing baseball. You run on home base just in time before that catcher can catch the ball from the other team and you are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those that are righteous only because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that he has placed in them and over them and upon them, they're safe. Psalms 18 verse 2, you are my mighty rock, my fortress, my protector, the rock where I am safe. Hallelujah. My shield, my powerful weapon, and my place of shelter. Well, where do we find all of that? That's found in Christ. That's how come you and I must develop that strong and nurture and foster that relationship with Jesus Christ. Psalms, I want to say that again. It's so it's such a wonderful scripture. They all are, but I want to say that again. Psalm 18, verse 2. You are my mighty rock. You are my fortress, my protector, the rock where I am safe. Picture that. A big, strong rock, and you, you run behind that. The person that's pursuing you can't find you. My shield, my powerful weapon. Not only are you my shield, you are my weapon and my place of shelter. See, that's why God is the great I am. 
Because he's everything that you need him to be when you need him to be that. Again, if you're thirsty, he is the living water. If you're hungry, he is the bread of life. He's everything that you need. Let's go to Psalm 19 verse 14. Let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you, Lord, because you are my mighty rock and my protector. Wow. So comforting. He says that the Lord, the psalmist says the Lord is my protector. Too many of us, we're we're consumed with calling up our friends. They cannot protect you. Not even in the same universe like God can protect you. Psalm 32, verse 7. The psalmist says, you are my hiding place. You are my hiding place. There you go again. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You and only you surround me with songs of deliverance, meaning that God wants and will deliver you out of trouble. Remember we read Psalm 23 that said, I believe it was verse 4, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning through, meaning you walk in, but there is an out, there's a back door to walk out. You don't remain there. You walk out. So you protect me from trouble. He doesn't say that you will never encounter trouble. Because you and I will encounter trouble if we're going to live godly in this world. You will encounter trouble. But he says, in the trouble, I will protect you. I will surround you with songs of deliverance. Psalm 91 verse 3. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the deadly plague. When I hear this. I think of the pandemic when I hear the term deadly plague. Well, God promises that he will deliver his people from deadly plagues. So how can we be delivered from the deadly plague? We've got to believe God. If you believe the world, you won't be delivered. If you believe God, you will be delivered. If God is your God, then you're okay. If the world, you make the world your God, you're going to live in fear. The eternal God is your refuge. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. The eternal, the everlasting, the never-ending, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. So, again, it doesn't say that you will never have enemies or I will never have enemies. No. The Bible speaks clearly that you and I will have enemies. But God will destroy them. And it is surprising who your enemies can turn out to be. However, one cannot speak of secrecy, honestly. And this is where I want to conclude uh, this message, part three. We, I cannot speak of secrecy. You cannot talk about secrecy without discussing relationship. 
This is very different from when one would speak to a complete stranger. You know, sometimes if you have a therapist or if you meet somebody in a taxi or in a train station or in a bus station or in a hotel or in a gym or in the marketplace or just on the street, in a park, you might be in a condition or of a persuasion where you just need desperately to tell somebody your secret. Maybe you're bursting with it. You cannot hold it in any longer. This is not the kind of secrecy that I'm talking about that we need to have with God. Because the person that does that, that tells a complete stranger or a paid therapist their, their secret, they're telling them because they believe, number one, it's a person that they would meet in a casual one-time occasion. They tell it to them because they're hoping to never see that person again. And so they believe that that, that secret is safe with, with that individual. Or if they tell it to a paid therapist or a psychiatrist or whoever it may be, they believe that, or even a priest in confession, they believe that that priest and that person, that therapist, cannot repeat it to anybody because that's private information and they're held by a contract of confidentiality. I'm not referring to this type of a, of a loose and very distant relationship. I'm not talking about that. What I'm referring to is the individual who fosters a relationship with the living God and draws near to him. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Because this is what the Bible is, is mentioning. This is what the Apostle James said in James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will, not maybe, he will draw near to you. Here's the condition. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and have the Holy Spirit purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because you and I cannot really clean our hands of our own selves. So when it says cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, it means come to God so God can do it by the Holy Spirit. But you can't do that. You can't have that done for you if you stay away from God. You've got to be able to draw near to God. You've got to come close to God. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, this is what the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 5 when the Word of God talks about blessed are, you know, those that understand that they're poor spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Alright? Because they understand that man, that woman, me and you, we understand that our spirit is not right. We understand that outside of God, we're dirty. We understand that outside of God, we're needy. We understand that outside of God, we're impoverished. We don't have it all together. And our understanding of our impoverished condition will cause us to draw near to the Lord with a true heart 
of humility because we, we, we see our condition or at least some of it. And we, we see our neediness. We see our, our, our vainness outside of Christ. We understand that we don't have it all together. That we have failed God. That we have offended God. That we have sinned against God. The only person who can come before the Heavenly Father and, and come with clean hands and a pure heart that never sinned is Jesus. I can't come before God like that. You can't go before God like that unless you first draw near to the Lord and let Him cleanse you. Unless I draw near to the Lord and let Him clean me. And what does He clean us with? His precious blood that He shed on Calvary's cross. That's the only thing that's going to clean you and me. So let's read Hebrews 10 again, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. And then when we come near with a true heart, we come in full assurance of faith. Don't come to God unbelieving. Don't come to God telling him about, you know, my sin is too much for you to forgive. Because if you come before God like that, you're coming with a dead wrong attitude and God cannot forgive you. Because you're coming in disbelief unbelief, and God can bless you. You have to come believing God. Come with a heart in full assurance of faith. And come with your heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, meaning that you've already come before God and you let God clean your conscience with the blood of Jesus. And let God wash your body with pure water. Through the washing of the Word of God and in Obedience in water baptism. That's another story. I'm not even going to get into that tonight. But that's what that means in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Now, when we speak or I speak of drawing near to God and having a close relationship with God, I'm speaking of intimacy. And when I think of that word in English, I look and I listen to each syllable in the English language. I wish I could explain this in in the other languages, but I don't have all of the other languages to, I don't have that capacity. So I, I'm just explaining it to you in the same language that I'm speaking this message in, in English. Intimacy, when I think of that, I'm thinking of in, to, me, see. You're asking God, to look into you and see who you really are. And you're coming to God humbly, exposing all of who you are, not trying to con God, not trying to get something over on God, not coming with a fake version of who you are, but you're asking God to look into me and see who I am and have mercy on me. Intimacy. In, I, N. Two, T-O, me, M-E, C-S-E-E, into me, see. That's my understanding of the word intimacy, I-N-T-I-M-A-C-Y. And what God is really looking after and what he really wants with you and with me is intimacy. 
And so when we talk about the secret place of the Most High God, God wants to meet you in that place of intimacy that's just between God and you. And we cannot talk about drawing near to God and having intimacy with God without dealing with the sin issue. And so for the remainder of this message, I want us to look at what can prevent us from having that close and intimate relationship with God. Well, it can certainly be past experience with an, with an earthly father or the lack thereof. And so the person that has had no relationship with an earthly father is going to nine out of ten times have a problem with relating to their heavenly father. But there is great news. God can heal that person from that condition. I know of people personally that have never met their father. And I've come to realize how that has manifested in the most ugly and horrific ways. They have had no intimacy, no personal relationship, no love, no knowledge of their own natural father. And, and that has manifested in some horrific, ugly ways that I don't even think that they know how ugly they have become. Now, not everybody that doesn't know their father does that because everybody's different and the lack of a good relationship with a parent will manifest in different ways. But I've seen it, the lack of that really manifest in some ugly ways in some people. Really, really horrific. Because then they're so covetous of somebody having a good relationship with somebody else, and they feel that that might hinder them and hurt them, and they just hate that individual that has a good relationship with their relative. It's sad. Really sad. But I want to tell you one of the key things that's going to hinder us from coming close to God. And it's found in Psalm 66, verse 18. The Bible says in the King James, If I regard wickedness, wickedness, if, if, if I keep evil, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear, specifically. Psalm 66, verse 18. So you might want to come near to God, but you cannot come near to God. I cannot draw near to God and still keep wickedness in my heart. Now the message paraphrase puts it like this. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord will, would never have listened. Can I repeat that? If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. I cannot rightly speak of being and dwelling in the secret place with God. If 
I don't have a vibrant, real, and living relationship with God. Prayerfully, it, it is my desire and my assignment from the Lord to assist you that are listening to this broadcast in developing and building your relationship with the Lord as I am seeking to build my relationship with the Lord in order for us to come into our God-given destiny in Christ Jesus. Now, I know personally of way too many people who believe they know God, but then their actions are so very contrary to anything remotely like one who has been given life in Christ. So, so what am I talking about? Some people, they come into a, a, a church and, and they have what I would call a religious experience. They're not really born again. They're not, because they've never really submitted their sinful ways to God. They've never really given up on that. They came into a, a church. They saw what other people were doing. They prayed a prayer. They repeated some words. But there was no heart change whatsoever. So it's not just that we come into a church we have a religious experience. We like the way that, you know, it feels comfortable to be in a church setting. There's a lot of love, hopefully. There's a lot of, you know, social interaction. We can make friends. But, but, but then there's no heart change. Then there's those who come, but, but nobody really explains to them clearly how to have a relationship with God. There's no explanation of how to know God, how to come to walk with God. And that person and those people have never been discipled. And if they were discipled, they were discipled by people that had tremendous problems of their own. So they were in no spiritual condition to disciple those people. They just talked to them. Just talking to somebody and looking up to somebody who is not living clean, who is not living right, who is not a good example, is not, is not having somebody to disciple you. Because you're, you're hooked up to the wrong type of people. People who can never mentor you properly. They just convince you to be like them. You don't want to be just like other people. You want to develop a relationship where you follow and imitate Jesus Christ. Then there's some that have been lied to so long, all their lives, they just have a hard time believing the Father's love for them. Now, this is a person that needs to have a lot of patience showed them, and then they need to be uh, taken into the Word of God and showed by a more mature Christian that's settled in the Word of God. And taught in the word of God how they must follow Christ. Because I'll tell you this. If you don't believe in God and what he says, you cannot be a Christian. You cannot be a Christ follower. You must have faith in Christ. And you can learn to have faith in Christ. God will give everybody a measure of faith. Everybody. Nobody can say they have no faith because God will give you faith. And even if it's as small as a grain of mustard seed, that's good enough to start. 
Then there are those kind of people who only imitate what and how they believe should represent a Christian, but they've never dealt, like again, with their own personal brokenness and sin. Or maybe they're too arrogant, too self-righteous to deal with their own sin. They always think that they know something better than somebody else. And there's no humility. I've met people like this. No humility. You know, how could you be around people that have walked with God in hard places, you be next to them, and you always think that you have something to tell them, and you've never walked, not even in a tenth of what they've walked in. It shows that you have no humility, and you're just filled with arrogance. Those are the hardest people to come to the Lord because they're the religious type. They have a form of godliness and they deny the power of God therein. The Bible talks about this, and actually Jesus talks about this in Matthew 23, verses 27 to 32. I'm going to read it to you. These are the words of Jesus uh, through the message paraphrase. Matthew 23, 27 to 32. You're hopeless. You religious scholars and Pharisees, you're frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers bright, but six feet down it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin you're total frauds. You're hopeless. You're re- religion, religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You build granite tombs for your prophets and marble monuments for your saints. And you say that you have lived in the days of your ancestors. No blood would have been on your hands. You protest too much. You're cut from the same cloth as those murderers and daily add to the death count. Wow. Matthew 23, 27 to 32. God's not impressed with phonies. Some people might look and act very religious. Oh, Act very sweet, know how to say one thing in front of one person, and then they're like a demon out of hell in front of the other people that they don't like. Just completely different. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. God is not impressed. And the thing of it is, these people have no respect for God because they forget that God listens to them when they come out like demons. God is still listening. God still sees. But they put on a form in front of some people, and then they come out with who they really are in front of the people that they have no respect for or they disdain for whatever reason. They forget that God sees it all, but they don't know God. They're just religious. They don't know God, and so that's why they can behave like that. Because they have no real relationship with God. They're just religious. They've just learned how to become religious. They have what Timothy talks about. Well, well, what Paul tells his, church, his son, spiritual son Timothy about in 2 Timothy 3 and 5, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power they have. What kind of power are they denying? The power of God to deliver them from their sin and their evil. They have no 
belief that God or no wanting to believe or no wanting God to deliver them from the ugliness of their sins. A form of godliness. But they deny the power of God to deliver them from that evil. And all of us, we might not be hypocrites like that, but all of us have had things in our lives that God does not like. It's time to repent and ensure that you and I do have a real and vital connection to Christ. And, and we need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are His. And how do we do that? If you've never come to the Lord in sincerity, this is the time. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to clean us from all things that are not good, that are not clean. It's talking about unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, then, then we make God a liar. And of course, God will never be a liar. And his word is not in us if we say that God is a liar. Of course not. So God does not lie. His word does not lie. So if God says that we are sinners, we are sinners. And we need to be forgiven if we have not come and asked God to forgive us from our sins. And how can we do that? The Bible tells us how we can come to God and have him forgive us from sins. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you and I would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you and I will be saved. For it's with the mouth one believes unto righteousness, and, and, and the mouth confession is made to salvation. So, it's not that we can work hard to be saved. That's not what we do. All we do is receive humbly the gift of salvation that God has provided for us through the death through the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of His Son, the Lord Jesus. That's all it takes. That's how we know that we are saved. Amen. That's how we know that we can be with Jesus. Alright? So, I want you to make sure, make sure... That you have a real relationship with Christ. And I, I, I show you how to do that. Just pray to the Lord. Confess your sins before him. And believe that, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that was to cover your sin and my sin. It's not all the good things that you do to enter heaven. It's only through faith. You exercising faith. In Jesus Christ. It's all what he's done and not what we've done. Amen. So this is how you and I can enter into the secret place of the Most High God. And I pray that the Lord will bless you abundantly and cause you to come into that secret place with him like never before. I, I want to encourage you to stay tuned and listen to next Sunday night. I'm going to have a powerful word that the Lord has given me for those that are listening to Reaching Out Radio International in the Word with Sister Pearl. God bless you. 
I love you, but God loves you so much more. Until next time, stay blessed. Bye-bye.